with that, we're going to bring Trey King up. And as he comes up, if you guys could please stand, turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. As Trey comes up, I'm going to go ahead and read Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Our Father, it's good to gather together with your people and worship you. And Lord, this morning as we come in, we've had an exciting weekend. We've done a lot of exciting things. Father, this is the time we're here coming together to come before you, to open your word, see what your word has to say to us. Lord, this morning I pray that our worship time is honoring. I pray that our worship time brings glory to your name. Father, I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be standing here this morning. In the name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So this morning... We find ourselves right flat dab in the middle of the fruit of the Spirit. We're going through these in order. Kindness is right in the middle. And kindness is also right in the middle of the middle triad. When you look at patience, kindness, and goodness, that's sort of a grouping of fruit of the Spirit that we look at. And those three uh, are generally thought of as, as how we relate to other people. Think about it, patience, kindness, and goodness, right? Where the first three, love, joy, and peace, those are generally ideas about our Christian mindset. How do we approach the world? How do we look at the world? Okay? Whereas patience, kindness, and goodness are how we approach each other. How do we deal with those around us? And then the, the last triad, the last three, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, those are often thought of as principles of Christian conduct. You know, how, how, how do I carry about my business as a Christian? How do I operate and live my day-to-day life as a Christian, right? So what we do is we're finding ourselves in the middle of the fruit of the Spirit, in the middle of the middle triad. So we're kind of like talking about a middle child here today. You know, they're kind of sometimes getting looked over. And, and we laugh about my son, Wes, all the time because he's a little child. And, you know, so anyway. But, no, we're not going to overlook kindness. There's certainly a sense of time working here today. Um, one of the things that we want to talk about is that Kindness is predicated on love, right? This is what Daniel brought out when he opened up this series was that love is the foundation of all of these others. And we, we, we really need to understand that, that anything that we're acting, when we're acting out of kindness or when we're, when we're thinking and processing in kindness, we're actually looking at it from a foundation uh, aspect of love. So, so this morning, let's just define kindness so that we have an understanding of where we're all coming at it from the same perspective. And, and here's, a, here's a definition that I've kind of worked through. Kindness is a disposition of the heart that manifests itself as a tender concern for the well-being of others. Okay? Let's say that again. It's a disposition of the heart that manifests itself as a tender concern for the well-being of others. Okay? Now, the reason I worded it that way is because in our common day, we tend to think of kindness and goodness, which is next week. Dad will be covering that next week. Kindness and goodness, we use those as synonyms, right? We kind of use those interchangeably, 
And in most of our situations we find ourselves in, that is perfectly acceptable. We can use them interchangeably. We can say, you know, that, that was a good deed or that was a kind deed, right? But, you know, there's a reason I like Paul, who wrote the book of Galatians. Paul is a list guy, and I'm a list guy. If you ever come into my office, you will see stacks of notepads with lists on them of what I need to do. Everything I do, I put in a list, right? So Paul is a list guy. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when Paul makes a list, he chooses his words very carefully. He does not throw words in that mean the exact same thing so, without a reason. There's, there's a reason for that. And what we generally think is the reason for this is that kindness is more of a heart attitude. It's more of a disposition. All right? Whereas goodness, which, which is next week, goodness is more of action on that kindness. Okay? Um, now, it's a subtle difference, and you will find me today kind of interchanging those two, but just to know that there is a difference, and that's what we're looking at today. It's more of the heart, the disposition of the heart, that we want to talk about. So today, in, the, in today's passage, in today's message, we want to talk about what well, we don't want to talk about. I'm not going to stand up here and give you a list of kind things that we can be doing, right? That's, that's not what we're about. Uh, and, and I don't want to give you some moralistic sermon on, on how to behave. But what we do want to talk about is three things. We want to talk about the kindness of God. So what does that look like? Then we want to talk about the kindness of man. And we're going to split that into two parts. What does kindness look like from an unbeliever perspective? And what does kindness look like from a believer's perspective? And then finally, we want to talk about the application of kindness. And how does that look, right? So three parts, kindness of God, kindness of man, and the application of kindness. Whenever we start talking about a fruit of the Spirit or any character quality that, that we want to have in our own lives, we have to start with God. We have to start with the standard, right? So we always want to look and see what does God have to say about kindness? How is God kind? What, what does He say is kind? Those are the things. And once we have an understanding of those things, then we can start to look at ourselves and come up with a real picture of what's going on internally, right? Uh, if, if I don't understand the standards, I can't correct the problem. I can't correct what's wrong. And so we have to start with God. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at right, right away, we're going to look at four passages that talk about God's kindness. We're going to two in the Old Testament and two in the New Testament. Um, and we're going to go kind of quick, so if you have time to turn, you can be turning, but um, we're going to just start right in here. Let's start with Psalm 145, and I'm going to read this to you. Psalm 145. And we're going to pick up verse 13, and it says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. And then it says that little piece in there, and it says this. It says, uh, The Lord is faithful in all His words, and in all, I'm sorry, in all of His words, and in all of His works. So it's talking about the Lord being faithful. And here's what he's talking about, Him being faithful and kind um, in, the next, in the next verses. It says this, The Lord upholds all who are falling, and raises up the bowed down. The, the eyes of all look at you, and you give them their food and due season. You open their, your hands, and you satisfy their desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all of His ways, 
and kind in all of his doings. And what the psalmist is saying here is he says, look at what the Lord has done to you. He's picked you up when you were down. He's provided your food. Most of the time, the people didn't even realize that the Lord was providing for them in this way. But he's saying, why is the Lord doing this? It's because he is kind. He is faithful, but he is also kind. Right? So next, let's look at Hosea chapter 11. We're going to be here for a minute, so you might want to turn to Hosea chapter 11. Um, this is an amazing and unsettling story. If you've never read Hosea, you might want to stop and read it at some point. Um, but it's an amazing story of God's kindness and how he deals with wayward people. All right? So, so let me give you a little background here on Hosea. Um, Hosea was a prophet. He prophesied in Israel and Judah, both. And Hosea, God came to Hosea and said, Hosea, I want you to take a message to my people. And Hosea says, we'll do it, Lord. I'm a prophet. That's what I do. Okay? So God says, well, Hosea, what I want to do is I'm going to have you take a wife, and we're going to use your marriage as an example of my relationship, God's relationship, to Israel. Okay? And Hosea, at this point, probably going, no, that sounds like a pretty good idea. You know, I, I, I could use a wife, and that sounds good. God, it, it gets bad. It gets bad. And God tells him right up front what's going to happen. He says, Hosea, I want you to go down, and I want you to marry Gomer. And at this point, Hosea's countenance drops, because the problem is, Gomer is a prostitute. Okay? It's what it says to the heart. And God says to Hosea, Hosea, She's going to be unfaithful to you, but you are still going to love her. You are still going to be kind to her. And Hosea says, yes, Lord, I'll do that. And then God says, but Hosea, it's going to get worse. She's going to, she's going to be unfaithful. She's going to go after other men again. And I still want you to be kind to her and I still want you to care for her and to bring her back. And Hosea says, yes, Lord. And God says, it's going to get worse. She's going to leave you for another man. And she's going to be gone. And what I want you to do, Hosea, is when that happens, I want you to make sure that she's provided for and cared for. But I don't want you to tell her that. I want you to take care of her without her even knowing it. And even though she is off with another man. And it gets worse. She ends up being sold into slavery, bondage, going out on the market to be sold, literally. And God says to Hosea, I want you to go and I want you to purchase her. And I want you to bring her home. That's that's a tough story. That's a little unsettling, right? It, it is. But God said, Hosea, by, by this demonstration, by this act of what you're doing, I'm using this as an analogy of how my people, Israel, have treated me. Okay? God is saying, in this case, I am the husband, and Israel is Gomer. Israel is the one that keeps going away and keeps going away. So let's read Hosea chapter 11. Well, this is a synopsis of, of what happened there. Okay? So Hosea 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the bells and burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I, and this is God talking, yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I know Ephraim is just a, uh, a, a common name for Israel. It's, it's kind of a, like, what you'll call your child. When Isaac taught Ephraim to walk, I picked them up by their arms 
but they did not know that I had healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with bands of love. And I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. And I bent down to them and I fed them. And it was stop right there. So, so what we see happening here is that God is coming up and he's saying, because of my kindness, and this is the bands of kindness. Remember when I told you the story how his, our, our, our Gomer was actually in slavery and bound, right? God says, I bought you. I took those bonds off, and now I lead you with bonds and with cords of kindness, right? This is God showing his kindness and his love to his people through the story of Israel. These people were constantly running away from God. His, his people were just... But they were, I always said they were in a downward spiral at this point. They, they would come back, but God would restore them, and they would, they would rebel, and then they would spiral in deeper, and then God would send a judge or a prophet, and then they, they would raise up a little bit, they would turn a little bit, and then they would spiral in deeper, right? They were in this downward spiral. But, but what God is saying is, it's because of my kindness I am showing you who I am, and, and I'm showing you my love, and I'm providing for you. Even when you don't know it, I'm providing the things that you need, just as Hosea did for Brandon. All right? So now let's look at some New Testament passages. Um, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 6, we see, a, we see another strange statement in here that, that, that is tough for us to understand. And it's Jesus is talking to you, and in this whole section, he's just finished talking to or teaching about the love your enemies, and turning the other cheek. Remember, remember this passage? So this is up a couple of chapters. This is, uh, but when we get down into 35, Jesus starts talking about what, what does love and kindness really look like, right? And he starts to say um, this. And let's look at, start reading in verse 32. Because, because what Jesus is saying is love um, and kindness, or what, what man was saying is love and kindness, is not what Jesus and God expect from one another. So from verse, starting at verse 32, it says this. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. And then listen here. But love your enemies and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. Now pay attention to this. It says, For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. It's talking about the Lord, and he's saying about the Lord. He is kind to those who are ungrateful and evil. So, the world's idea of kindness is being kind to somebody who's going to be kind back to me. Or I'm going to love somebody who loves me back. Or I'm going to loan my tools and things to people who will give me my tools back. And maybe loan me their tools, right? But that's not God's definition of kindness. God's definition is, are we, are we loving and are we being kind to those who are ungrateful? Are we loving and kind to those who don't like us? Are we loving and kind to those who want to cause us harm? Right? I mean, it, it is hard to be kind to an ungrateful person. We've all had that experience when we've done something nice for somebody and they 
They didn't respond. They didn't send me a thank you note. Right? Okay, I'm not going to send you my credit or Christmas card this year because you didn't give me a thank you. You didn't give me a thank you. Um, that's, that's a tough statement. It's an unsettling statement. Now let's, let's jump up another passage to Romans chapter 2. In Romans chapter 2, you just follow the second half of Romans chapter 1, obviously, where Paul in chapter 1 had laid out really a discourse on the depravity of the human condition. And if you haven't ever had a chance to read the second half of Romans 1, sit and read it. Read that and then turn on your news and you just see if that's not exactly where we are today, right? I mean, our, our society is just as depraved and as bad as what Paul described in Romans chapter 1. But we, we, when he moves over into chapter 2, Paul starts to focus on the Jews. Alright, and he's, he's now kind of turning his attention, he's talking to the Jews, because the Jews were acting like spoiled, petulant children at this point. Um, they thought that, you know, because they were God's children, God's chosen, that, that they could get away with doing just about whatever they wanted because they were God's children. And, you know, we've all known kids like that, that, hey, my daddy's the principal of the school, I can act however I want. Or, or my dad's the pastor of the church. You guys are good. My dad's the pastor of the church. And, uh, you know, so, you know, I, churches I grew up, we always laughed. We called them the PKs, the pastor's kids, because they were always the ones that were causing the problems. You know, they were usually the ringleaders. But not this week, I'm sorry. Um, but this is the case, this is the case with the Jews. The Jews were judging those who were acting just completely um, as heathens, as unbelievers do, and they were judging them, but they were acting the exact same way themselves. But they were doing the same things that the heathens were doing um, and condemning them for it, but they were doing it themselves. So let's just read and see what we have here in Romans um, chapter 2. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man. Every one of you who judges, or every one of you who judges, so in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because the judge practicing, because you are the judge practicing the same thing. We know that the judgment of God lightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge and who practice such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches and the kindness and the forbearance forbearance and the patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? That's that last little part there, that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. See, the Jews have kind of missed the whole point of God choosing them. Remember, God didn't, from Deuteronomy, you know, God did not choose them because they were a big, great nation or because they had anything special to offer. God chose them because God chose them. He said, these are the, these are the people I'm putting my love and my, my, my blessings upon. Um, but, but they had missed that whole point of how God had taken care of them and provided for them and how God had brought them out of the, out of the wilderness and through, out of Egypt and provided for them down in the land of Canaan. They had forgotten that. And they just thought, that, hey, we can live however we want because we're God's people and he's going to look the other way. He's that kind of a father. But that's not that's what Paul is saying. That's not the way this is. So just from the Old Testament and a few of the New Testament passages, we have seen some of the characters of God's kindness, how he's provided for people, how he's 
flips up the downtrodden, how he provides food, how he helps us when we're being burdened. With his kindness, he comes in and he lifts us up during those times. But we also see that he is kind to, as we said, the ungrateful and the evil, and that he's also, that kindness that he has shown is meant to lead us to repentance. It's meant to draw us to himself. Okay. So there's a couple other stories that I wanted to get to in the Old Testament that are really good that if you have a chance to look at, read the book of Ruth and look at Boaz if you want an example of kindness. Okay. Another one, another one that's really good, it's a little bit archaic that we don't read much, is the story of Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel. Mephibosheth was a son of Saul, and David, who was the king, had every right to have that man executed, but he didn't. He brought him in, and he treated him as one of his own children. And it's a great story about kindness, the kindness of David. Okay, So if you have a chance, go, go take a look at this. Right, so let's switch gears a little bit. We've seen what the, the kindness of God looks like. Now let's look at, let's look at the kindness of man. The kindness of man. Uh, first is the unbeliever. We were, we were uh, up camping the other day, and um, my wife held up a bag of Doritos, and on the, you know, on the bag it said, be kind. And it's like, really? You know, and, and, and I think it all has to do with all this social stuff that's going on. You know, there were other things on there, but it was just interesting that they, you know, that they put it on a bag of Doritos, and we were, Chris and I were laughing this morning that maybe I should kind of take that bag of Doritos. No, anyway. um, but, but what what does kindness look like in the life of an unbeliever? And I think in order to understand that, we have to say, hey, what is what's motivating an unbeliever to be kind? Right? It's, it's what's coming out from the heart that's motivating them to be kind. And I came up with a few ideas here. Um, greed, right? You know, we've seen this. We see this in families. You know, I'm going to be nice to your Aunt Sadie because she's rich and I don't want to get written out of a will. So, okay, I want to be nice. I'm going to be kind. Um, power. I, I want I a position of power. So I'm going to be kind to somebody who can get me that position of power. Sex. I don't think that one needs any explanation. Money. It's what goes along with greed. But one that I thought was interesting was audience. The audience. Are the cameras on? Because if the cameras aren't on, I'm not going to do this act of kindness, right? I mean, we see that a lot. We see that a lot, right? Um, so basically, the unbeliever, their, their motivation is generally selfish. It's, it's out of selfishness that they are kind. They, they're looking out for themselves, and how can I get somebody to do or to give me what I want? And by being kind, that's often the way it happens. Apart from the grace of God, and apart from his, his, his work in our lives, we, we would all be preoccupied with one thing. Me. You would be preoccupied with your stuff. Me. Right? Um, because we live in this Genesis 3 world, this Romans 1 world. I am the center of my universe. And, and so from a, from a worldly perspective, I don't have a reason to be kind if it's not benefiting me in some way or another. Okay. So now let's, let's look flip over and look at the, the Christian side. What does it look like in the life of a believer? Well, it's motivated. What's the motivation? The motivation for kindness is Christ-likeness. We want to be more like Christ. We want to be displays of of God's kindness and 
not only in our lives, but those around us. And so it's important we understand um, you know, that, that, that we act on that, that, that that's part of our life, it's part of our character, it's part of how we interact with our neighbors and our friends. Because we want our neighbors and friends who are unsafe to see kindness in our lives so that they are drawn to it. And we'll talk about kindness and evangelism in just a minute. But, um, you know, I think a lot of times it's, it's the opposite of selfishness. And I, I'm looking at my life, it's, it's just funny. Tyler and I were laughing before the service, and we're saying, how did the pastors pick out, you know, assign these, these fruits? And, you know, typically it's, you know, who needs to preach this message is the guy that needs to hear it the most. And so we're laughing about that. But I, I think that... Um, you know, when I look at my own life, I say, you know, I am really selfish, and I'm not kind, and there's a lot of times where I don't want to show kindness, and, and you know, I want to look out for number one, you know, and you, you may be saying the same thing, and, you know, to that, what I say is welcome to the club, because two things, one is the fruit of the Spirit growing in our lives is a process, it doesn't happen overnight, we're not, we don't just come out of that box being able to display all of these things. It takes time, and the Spirit is working in your life. The second thing is, if you see it in your life, if you see your selfishness, and you see your unkindness not being manifested, not being shown, that's a good thing. It's a good thing because it means that you recognize sin in your own life. Now, if you, if you stop right there, that's a problem. If you don't act on it, and you don't ask the Lord to help you with, to get over that, and ask for forgiveness, that's the problem. But the fact that you recognize that issue is good, because that means that, hey, you do recognize sin in your own life, and you do recognize when you're not acting kind. Okay. And finally, let's get into just quickly into the application of kindness, okay? The application of kindness. Proverbs 21, 21, I'm going to just read this real quickly. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life righteousness and honor. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. But what he's saying here is we need to be pursuing righteousness and kindness. And need, that needs to be a part of our life, an active part of our life. And when you do that, what does it say? It says, the, the, the Proverbs are so simple. It just says, hey, you will find life and righteousness and honor. Now, I use my, my parents, my dad, as an example a lot of times when I'm up here in life groups and things like that. Um, but one of the key characteristics of my dad, that, that of all the things my dad did, sometimes I'll tell you all of it, but one of the key things I remember my dad is he was a kind man. My dad was always looking out for the interests of others. He always looked for the good in others. No matter how badly they treated him, he always went to that direction. And that's something that, that I I saw from a young age. It's something I always admired in him. And it was something that when we had his funeral a few years ago, people were saying the same thing, that he was a very kind, kind person. Okay. Um, the same thing is, is true of my mom. One thing about my mother, when you ever have a chance to talk to my mother, you'll find out quickly that she spends more time thinking about other people and their well-being than she does about most anything else. She, you know, I get on the phone with her, and she is telling me about all of these people that she's talking to and praying for and interacting with. 
that's kindness. That's what that is. She is more concerned about other people than herself and, and their well-being. These are both shining examples of that Proverbs 21, 21. They have found honor. They have found righteousness in their lives. I don't want to be remembered as a soldier. I don't want to be remembered as an engineer. I don't want to be remembered as a football coach. But what I do want to be remembered as is a kind person. And goodness, I have a long way to go. You know, when I when I was studying for this, I just, you know, just real quick, every time I turn the page, there's something else that I need to work on. Now, there's another kind of kindness let's talk about. Kindness of collection. Kindness and collection, right? And there's a, there's a passage in Psalm 141, verse 5, that says this, Let a righteous man strike me with his kindness. Let him rebuke me with his oil for my head. Let me not refuse it. What does that mean? There's two sides to this. One, I need correction. And I want people, out of their kindness, to come and correct me. I appreciate that. I'm blind to things. We all are blind to certain things. And that's why God will send brothers and sisters on the outside and say, hey, hey, you're doing this wrong. Or this, this is a sin area that we need to look at and we need to talk about, right? And that's kindness. Because it's not kind for me to let someone wander off in sin and just continue on in sin. That's not kind. That's what the world does. That's what a lot of parents do with their children who don't correct their children. They let them just do whatever they want. And these children are horrible. We've all known these children, right? But, but because of kindness, God does send people along to correct us. And that's them being kind towards us. But the other side of the coin is, is we also need to be able to step and go in, in, in kindness and in love correct our brother and sister in Christ. Okay? There are times where we need to step in and say, hey, let's sit down and talk about this. Right? Now, I have to admit, in my life, I've been the one getting most of the corrections. I've been the one that's been showing a lot of kindness, and I deserve it. I need it. I still need it. And you know where I get most of it? It's from my wife. She just has a way of gently reminding me and pointing me in the right direction and getting me back on track, which is, you know, which is what I appreciate. I need that. But, oh, we don't miss something here. This is not an excuse for us to go around judging everyone we see them, Okay? This is not, you don't have carte blanche to just start pulling out the magnifying glass and looking into everybody's life, every little thing you're doing wrong. That's not what this is about. This is about brotherly love and brotherly kindness and going to someone and gently correcting them. And there is a whole, there, there's whole passages in the Bible that discuss the proper way of doing this. And that's what we, we're not going to talk about that now, but that's what we need to remember when we go into this, into this area. And finally, let's, I want to talk about the importance of kindness in evangelism. The importance of kindness in evangelism. And I, I had a, a closing statement for this little section. I'm actually going to read it first, because this will make the rest of this make sense. But, you know, as messed up as our world is, as, as Matt was talking about and Aaron was talking about before, I mean, we can, you just look and you just see how messy things are right now, right? But let me tell you this. The world recognizes and is attracted to kindness. Nobody has to tell the world 
to the unsaved world out there what kindness looks like. We know. They know. They, they know what true kindness is. They know when you're... They know the difference between true kindness and the world's definition of kindness. So, I want to just... Let's look at Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 really quickly just for a minute. And this covers both sides. What we have to remember with the, with the idea of kindness and evangelism is our walk, our actions, our attitudes, how we talk to people have to match the message of the good news of the gospel. Right? They, they have to line up. If they don't line up, people are not going to be attracted to that. So, so what does Ephesians 4, 31 say? It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor and slander be put away from you and all malice. Those things aren't attractive, are they? I'm not naturally attracted to people that are, that are full of bitterness and full of malice and hate and slander. I don't want to be around those people. Not naturally. But then Paul goes on and he says this, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. That's the other side of the coin. That's what, that's what makes the gospel attractive. It's our actions and our attitudes. How are we acting and treating those around us? Because the world is watching us. The world is looking at us, and they, they want us to stumble and to fail. They really do. But they also understand, and they do recognize kindness when they see it. Now, this is, a, this is an industrial strength type of kindness that we're talking about here. This is not the idle chit-chat with somebody at the back of the church or talking with your neighbor over the fence. So this is, this is a heart attitude that, that, is, that can be and is world-changing. Um, I want to give an example here of a, of a nurse I knew from another church. Um, we, were, we were in a finished class and we were talking about our jobs and how do we show Christ on the job and how do we, you know, how do we act around our non-believing friends and so forth. And this, this lady stood up and said, you know, she was really very proud of the fact that, you know, everybody on her nursing team knew that she was a believer and that, that when she walked into the room, they knew better than to tell dirty jokes and to use crass language and to talk about certain subjects and things like that. And I couldn't help but sit there, and I've told Lysons this before, I couldn't help while I was sitting there going, what is attractive about that? You know, her pride was what was driving her action. Not humility, not wanting to, not wanting to show kindness and, and drag people into the gospel. So we need to be very, very careful when we're dealing with our non-believing friends that we are acting in humility and that we are acting in courage. Because let me tell you what, you're going to get beat up. When you're kind to people, especially non-believers, you're going to take a beat. Okay? So we, we don't want to be acting in, out, of, out of a position of pride. Um, I have a few more minutes. I want to look at Titus chapter 2 really quickly. Just again, as an example of what does, what does that Christian walk look like. So Titus chapter 2, it, it, he's just talking about how are we to relate with each other and what should this look like to the world, right? So here we go. But for each of you, teach People in accord with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. 
to teach what is good. And as we drop on down a little bit, you see where he talks about servants. Um, He drops down and he does talk about how, how do we relate to our employees is what he's talking about. And we're supposed to honor them and we're supposed to be respectful of them and not slander. And, and what's the reason for this? Again, because we want them to be attracted to something. We want them to be attracted not to me, but to the gospel, to the good news. And if I am, if I am not being kind and I am not acting in wisdom, then they're not going to be attracted. And, and, and my, just stop my evangelism in the front, right? Now, again, God calls those in. We, we understand that. But we are still called to, to live and act kind, kindly towards each, each other. So just closing up here, one of the things that I've learned in 55 years is if, if you want to see change in your life, if you want to see change in your marriage, or your job, or with your friends, you try kindness. Try Christ-like kindness. Not, not the worldly kind of kindness. Study kindness and figure out what, what it truly is to be kind. And you will see change. You will see changes in your, in your life and in your family. Let's pray this morning. Believe in the church. Dear Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that uh, we were able to get out this morning after the big weekend celebration. Father, we just thank you for your kindness and how you have upheld us and you have provided for us and you have lifted us up. Lord, we just thank you for your provision in ways that we don't even know, Lord. Lord, we thank you for how you have showed kindness and you've taken the bonds of, of slavery from us, of that slavery to sin, Lord. We thank you that you now lead us with choice of kindness. Father, we just pray for the rest of this day. We pray for our time together. Lord, we pray that you are, that you are glorified in your son's name we pray. Amen.